Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode. In fact, my first episode of 2023, I've been on a, is it hiatus? Hiatus? Hiatus, yes, um, for a while. Lots of things have been happening, but I'm delighted today to be joined by the gorgeous Jennifer Countess von Valderdorf. Wonderful. <laughs> we got there. Um, how are you, Jennifer? I am really good. Thank you for asking. Thank you so much for coming on. And my first ever countess on the podcast. So really exciting. And we'll delve more into that later on. Um, so if you could give me a brief introduction um, into who you are and what you do, please. So as you heard, my name is Jennifer Countess von Valdedor with my tongue. <laughs> Um, so I'm known as a fashion specialist with a speciality in fashion merchandise planning. Um, okay. And now also an author. <laughs> so we talk about my new book, look at the labels, here we are. There we um, go. Yeah, with over 15 years experience in the fashion retail industry. Um, I'm really trying to utilize all of that information and give it back to the consumer, especially in this time and day where, you know, the cost of living crisis has reached UK and beyond. And yeah, just to give you those tidbits of information that you can use to empower yourselves when you're going out to the shops, but also if you want to just get something that you may already own in your own wardrobe, Mm -hmm. just giving you tips and tricks on how to best get the use out of your clothes. Fantastic. Um, so if we could if we could kind of rewind back to um your early life, um your your family is a big inf- influencing factor um, on kind of your career choices and the way that you wanted to go. Can you can you start off by telling us a bit about how your love for fashion started? Yeah, like um, honestly, my dad. I thought my dad was like James Bond. At oh. this point. He would just. I'm not sure where he would go. I was probably too young to know, but he would just be wearing a three piece suit. He might be going to Sainsbury's. I don't know. Oh. <laughs> But he just took pride in his appearance. Mm-hmm. But he was very much the English gentleman style. Yeah. Whereas my mum, she gave me that love of mixing prints. So okay. she, you know, had a lot of clothes still from the 70s. I was born in the 80s. And there would just be florals and, and checks and, you know, lyric sheen running through things. And she just always seemed like this beautiful, colourful, bright uh-huh. thing in my life. And so yeah. with both of them, I just thought I want to one look as confident as my dad does, and two just inspire and make people as happy as I thought my mum did. And so, oh my god, I love that. Into me, yeah, it was. I would say those two mostly. Mm-hmm. Um, as you said, I have six brothers and sisters, mm-hmm. so from a Catholic household. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, so there's the oldest four, and then there's the youngest three. How we refer to ourselves. And my sister, she kind of, yeah, she was a year and a half older than me, you know, so she got a job first, she got, did all these milestones first, and she kind of just dragged me along. So, <laughs> a little bit of money, Come hey, on. clothes, you can wear them too. I was like, great. Uh, <laughs> so we kind of financed and brought along with my siblings as well. Brilliant. Um, so would you say that it was an easy decision for you to go and study something like that because you you actually you did a 
was it a science degree at Brunel everyone (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah so um I actually wanted to be a doctor so did you I was about 10 and I said dad I'm going to be a doctor and he said oh very well done (laughs) not really much uh (laughs) um for him to say about that because you know I have uh, lawyers and siblings um you know um so they're all very accomplished and then it got to my year we work in industry and I was like this isn't a bit of me is it (laughs) oh bless so I took a year out and then I um, graduated I kind of just wanted to see what the world had to offer I was working at the same time and someone said did you know that you can put maths and fashion together there's this career called merchandise planning. I was like, wow. <laughs> and then, that sounds like a bit of me. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and yeah, over 15 years later, here I am. Wow. So c- can you explain like the difference? Because people often think the fashion industry is all about like large dog, catwalks. It's all about kind of the presentation at the end. You deal with the stuff that kind of gets um the the fashion businesses to that point don't you because you analyze what's going on what would be best this that and the other how do, how does that kind of work because I would imagine that it, it takes an awful lot of planning essentially yeah you mentioned the key word is planning <laughs> I think even my mum she thought I was living in the devil wears Prada for a while I think she thought <laughs> I was the nerd girl with the glasses <laughs> turning up to for, you know, the silverhead um, <laughs> meaning for a while. But, um, yeah, as you quite rightly said, it's, you know, the glamorous part is often done by the buying team. So the buying team will, you know, be flying around and be schmoozing with brands and mm-hmm. themselves and really figure out, you know, how to present these amazing styles that people inevitably want to buy. Okay. But have to say, okay, what is the key colour for this season? How many units do we need to buy across how many stores in addition right. to the online store, which when I was coming up wasn't as huge as we're in today. So you had to do all this navigation towards quantities to try and sell through a certain percentage in what we call the article life cycle before the next right. comes along. So next is quick, isn't it? Yeah. It's not like things stay around for long, especially with how much things change in the fashion world. I'm glad you said that because there's not just one fashion life cycle. There is something like a white T-shirt, maybe with a signature print on it. Then if you yeah. remember when roses were really in fashion. Yeah. Roses on it. Mm. So you get something like that, which will maybe last the entire season or half a year. But then you get like little purple roses or pink roses and little shorter life cycles just to layer on to keep a certain amount of units in stock, maybe in the T-shirt section for a given period of time. Okay. Constantly balancing, you need to keep checking the amount of units sold to make sure it's meeting those deadlines in time for the next one to come along. So, yeah. Is is that where you got your inspiration? Because you saw, essentially, I bet it was so much wastage. I bet you, because you saw it from the back end of everything and how quickly things go in a cycle. Is Is that kind of what started you thinking on the, do you know what? this is how we need to kind of be shopping and yeah it's it's very disappointing 
because we are humans and we can make mistakes. So to see something completely miss its sales forecast, for example, yeah. could inevitably mean that either it has to be on sale at a percentage discounted, which is, you know, profits for the business, but more so it's unlikely that maybe even on discounts things will sell through because maybe the item itself is just a dud. So okay. you can that pile on not just in one unit, but if you are looking from, you know, overseeing an entire business, just how much stock, the value of that stock can be, you know, written off, so to speak. It's very, it can be disheartening for a certain type of profile, and I was definitely one of them. Okay, what happens to all of the, the stock if it doesn't sell? Where does it go? Many, many different routes, to be honest. And not one company does just one specific thing. Um, there's okay. a lot of pain saying, stop burning stock. There are brands that burn their stock because they don't want really? to anywhere else. Yeah, this is, oh it's awful, gosh. especially when there are synthetic fabrics because of what they're yeah. into the environment. Mm-hmm. You've seen the maybe pictures of landfills, things eventually just end up in landfills. Things are sold to developing countries just yeah. to be dumped there. Just oh my gosh. Nothing great, really. They're not, you know, no. given to the, the homeless or, or yeah. the giant charity. A lot of the ways that clothes are sold on or passed on are not great. But there is now, which is a good thing, um, the growth of these off-price retailers and stores. So yeah. and something's completely done out of season if you don't want to see it on that website anymore they could be sold onto these new third parties and then they can go oh, on you know 70 discounts so that's oh yeah in fact I, I i'm pretty sure that i shop on quite a few of those so it's like mm-hmm. they cut the labels out if it's like a, a high street retailer or something and then maybe if it's old season stock but you can get it for a bargain absolutely and it's still brilliant you don't even have to cut the label out so it depends on the agreement you have with the brand themselves you can buy it in perfect condition as it would have been sold if it yeah. was actual retail price yeah is it just says like x whatever it is i don't know if i'm allowed to say names i'm gonna get sued <laughs> but you know what i mean anyway um so let's talk about jennifer your incredible life-changing let's be honest um trip to italy when you yeah. were on a career break. Yeah. So um, I was working for the amazing Marks and Spencers, and I do mention them because they do do so much for their sustainability. But okay. I took the decision to just cover maternity, and I thought, oh, this is risky. What if she comes back? <laughs> <laughs> so it was time for me to leave. But then I really couldn't see myself going into the rat race more so and just you know hedging my bits with another company having worked on which was so amazing so i did i decided to pack my bags and just say i love italian clothes i love italian leathers i love italian i love the history behind italian mills and the way they treat their leathers and animals and so oh and the food is great too (laughs) yeah that's a bonus (laughs) so i really just packed my bed my bags said uh family I love you. I want to see what I can do out there, learn the language. I have this idea for a book. I can go out there and just write it. I can teach English while I'm there to earn. Oh and my gosh. Feed myself and let's see how it goes. And it Were you scared? Um, when I look back on it, I actually wasn't. I'm not quite sure if someone slipped something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
in my water. But no, I soaked something in your label. <laughs> yeah, thank you. But it was so clear what my objective was and what mm. I wanted to do there. So yeah. I didn't actually feel fear at the time. I bet it was more excitement. Yeah, I think it was adrenaline and, you know, the prospect of this new life that I could forge. Yeah. You're so brave. I mean, there's so many people that would love to do something like that, but just don't have that. It's it's fear that stops us, isn't it? It's 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 our own thoughts and our own feelings of the what ifs, and then your brain goes into flight or fight. So you literally you, inspirational to be able to kind of pack up and just and just go. Did you even know anybody over there? Yeah, I had a friend. He lived near Bologna. And Bologna, the home of Bolognese. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so sorry. Um, but, you know, he didn't live in Milan and I wanted to settle in Milan. It was the fashion capital and it was still yeah. quite and, and easy to get home in case I needed to run back. Oh. But, um, yeah, you know, he helped me out here and there. But where I was, and Milan's not very big, it's quite small. People were so welcoming. Oh, you really? would the directions. They would give you a whole lesson in Italian, say, oh, I'll teach you now, and you have a little lesson, and they'll tell you. Oh, bellissimo. <laughs> you know, it was it was just, I just felt like I was pulled into this amazing world, and everything wow. was made really easy for me. Wow. So let's skip to your meeting with your now husband that has made you a countess. Yes. How was, honestly, mind blown. <laughs> I've never spoken to a countess before. Hello. <laughs> Hi there. <laughs> yeah, you know, like, we're one of those um, dating app success stories. Mm -hmm. So I, I do mention it anytime I'm asked. We met on Bumble, where the okay. world is the choice. And, you know, he, he poses very manly. I do. I do <laughs> poses. You know, he puts his hands on his, on his thighs and he looks square into the camera and he's got these amazing broad shoulders I was like he knows what he wants so, <laughs> so I scrolled on him and we were a match and you know it's kind of just been like as soon as we met up in life I was like yeah this is this is the guy he's just down to earth eccentric mm -hmm. as you'd get a different kind of eccentricity in Germany just yeah in so I was all for it and yeah, um, even though we came from very different backgrounds, there was mm. just something that made us click. Like soul connected. Yeah, yeah. Because all of the things that we connect on, they're mm. not indicative of our cultures. It's just, okay. it's just the way we like to laugh. It's the way the food we like to eat. It's not necessarily mm -hmm. Korean culture or British, well, British food, fish and chips. Steak, kidney pie. <laughs> we love those too, but yeah, there were just things that made us us. And okay. the very special bonds that we have. And so I'm, I'm super grateful. Oh, that's wonderful. Because you actually, you met and then you moved because you were headhunted, weren't you, by the multi-million pound um company is it Zalando is that how you say it it's Zalando and they are multi-billion oh are my gosh <laughs> yeah, no. I didn't get to continue my uh you know Italian fantasy mm -hmm. because while I was there um, I was headhunted and so 
I moved here and then it was with, within the first month I had met Max. So, wow. yeah, I didn't really get to be single in Berlin. So <laughs> But um, I wouldn't trade it for the world. So, yeah. So it's like everything just completely clicked into place for you, like step by step by step. Mm-hmm. That's wonderful. I was calling myself uh, the Carrie Bradshaw of Berlin. Okay. I, I got my apartment. I got my wardrobe. And I'm big. <laughs> and recent, recently you welcomed um, your first child. Congratulations. Thank you so much. He is wonderful. How how does your um oh in fact here's a question that we haven't discussed so your child what title do they have sorry your child what title will they have because if he's oh. a count and you're a countess oh he's a count oh wow. he's a count there is <laughs> oh, bless. when I take him to the doctors they're like oh <laughs> Oh, bless Valdor. <laughs> He's a cake. Like, don't do it for Halloween. <laughs> oh, bless you. He's a little count. Hmm. So let's talk about your book, Jennifer. Where did the um? So ha- was there a certain point where you thought to yourself, "Do you know what the the things that I'm learning, kind of on a day to day basis in my work, the way that I feel about the fashion industry and clothes in general?" Was that was there a certain point where you thought, "Right, I'm going to be an author," or did it just kind of organically happen like the like the rest of your life seems to? Well, you're making it sound easy. Trust me. No, no. <laughs> um, but to be honest, um, in the 2007 eight you know, economic slump that we had. Yeah. Um, I was working for a fashion brand and it was there that I realised that people were just buying too quickly. And so okay. I started a fashion company called uh, Cheeky Popping Shoe Clips. Mm-hmm. And the whole point was, you don't need to buy new shoes, you can buy accessories to make the shoes look new again. To jazz them up. Exactly. And so I had this you know, thought process of how can I do something that I love and be Mm -hmm. in keeping with fashion, but also helping people. I don't know, but I I do feel like I was made to be someone to to help. Hence wanting to be a doctor, which didn't (laughs) pan out so well. But um, yeah, so that um, is now dissolved. And then I said, okay, because I worked in all these fashion houses, I had too many clothes. So I was like, oh, let me sell them, but under a brand. And I called it New with Tags. So you could buy okay. them. They were New with Tags, pre-loved of, the, yeah. of a decade ago. <laughs> so it was just a thought process that was in my mind. How yeah. can I best serve people with all the knowledge that I have? Mm-hmm. And I've been writing because I'm an absolute fan of the movie industry. So I've been writing reviews for movies and companies for almost the same time in the past 15 years wow and so I love writing I I love putting into print like my again it's quality yeah (laughs) yeah it's therapeutic though isn't it sometimes even even if it's even if it's reviews getting that out there is 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 really it's like a healthy thing to do isn't it 100% just the same as if you you know wrote in a diary yeah yeah I, I definitely loved it and I love to write and so yeah, it kind of did. Maybe again, I'm making it sound easier, but <laughs> okay, all of this knowledge, I could probably help people by giving them something they can potentially put in their handbag. Yeah. And 
if they go into the shop, they're like, hmm, what did she say again? See, I'm look at the labels. <laughs> I'll bring out my book. <laughs> it needs to be an app, really. But yeah, I'll bring out my book, my hard copy, and I'll reference just to help people to say, hey, this tag says 50% recycles, but they're not talking about the clothing. They're talking about the paper ticket attached. And that's really? the type of greenwashing that some brands will be as low as to do. Oh, my God. Yeah. Read the fine print. You will see that it's actually talking about the labels, the tags, not mm -hmm. the item. And so you'd be like, oh, right, I'm doing something for the environment. Yeah. Money. And I, I just wanted to stop that happening. I just wanted mm -hmm. to reduce people going in that direction or going to purchase these goods because then eventually the brands will clock on and reduce their quantities or eventually just stop trying to use these tactics. Yeah, definitely. And I think there's a lot that can be said about not always buying new as well. I mean, we had a quick discussion, didn't we, about, you know, our love of charity shops. Um, I think it's really important because to me, not only are you buying something that's new to you, mm -hmm. but also helping charity. So really that, you know, it's a win-win situation, isn't it? Yeah, massively. Um, I, as you said, we mentioned um, that sometimes I think there's still a stigma attached to charity stores. Yeah. And it really is like we are not the charity, but we're giving back to a charity. Suspicious mm -hmm. of a guy standing on the street saying, "Hey, you want to give give me your bank details?" <laughs> <laughs> Do you know they have like little card machines now? <laughs> you know when people say, "I've got no cash on me," they whip out a card machine. <laughs> this is intense. <laughs> In case you are a little bit suspicious of those <laughs> with automatic machines, <laughs> charity stores are a great way to go. It's everything from developing countries to you know heart diseases, cancer. Yeah. There's almost anything out there in a brick and mortar store or online now these days where you can give back. And instead of thinking, oh, how can I be more sustainable? Mm -hmm. there's all these stores that are sitting there waiting for you to make exactly purchase. And as you said, like the price points on them, they're almost giving things away. Yeah. There was um, a hint someone sent me at one point, told me even, and they said, just look into the literally the geographical area of where you want to go to a charity store because they look a lot different in Peckham than they do in Notting Hill. For okay. <laughs> if you're looking for something maybe a little bit more extravagant, maybe go mm -hmm. to central London or you know North London, Camden Town, and yeah. find more indicative of the area that mm -hmm. you might want to you know buy an investment piece of something you know 100% wool or yeah or, you know something you know maybe a brand that, that you enjoy wherever mm -hmm. so yeah but there's as I said pre-loved so there's multiple pre-loved companies out there online and in store but the online retailers are just now they're exploding a lot of them yeah. also with luxury to mid-range brands to kind of get mm -hmm. people in you would be happier to see adidas or you know burberry than maybe yeah. to um, a fast fashion brand as a mm -hmm. oh, shop with us <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so yeah there's the off-price market there's the pre-loves there's the giant stores something something max <laughs> <laughs> whatever could that be <laughs> you can basically fill your house <laughs> with everything in that in that place you know it's all you know off price it's all mm -hmm. price so there's a lot of other ways to go other it's than about being savvy is it isn't it savvy shopping 
yeah, I know, like, because we're both mums, so not everybody mm-hmm. has the time to go going one by one in a rail, sure, but that's yeah. why you mentioned filters. And so mm-hmm. if you've got time to shop online, even if it isn't off-price, make those filters work for you. If yeah. you dress, what colour looks good on you? Do you need a wrap dress? Are you trying to nip in your waist? Do mm-hmm. you, I don't know, what length must it be? What sleeve length? What neckline? All these things now on websites are adapted to what we need. It will yeah. be faster to sit through 10 dresses than, I don't know, thousands that yeah. most websites have of one particular category. Because it, it can feel overwhelming sometimes, can't it, online, especially when it just comes up with so many different options. And you end up just scrolling and then you just think, and then your confidence goes, doesn't it? It's like, oh, no, I won't look nice in that anyway. It'll be my belly or my legs or, yeah. And then you just give up. And yeah. then you end up buying something just for the sake of buying something, don't you? And then, then instantly regret it as soon as you get it home. <laughs> um, I mentioned it on my um, Instagram as well, the shopping for the compromise. And it's where, you know, maybe you have this idea in your head of a specific thing, but often that idea is often a fantasy yeah make fashion collections based on anyone's imagination so you have to <laughs> make do with what's available so really do like use the filters but also in my book look at the labels I give advice so I don't say that if you have you know an apple shape you must nip in your waist with a wrap dress or you must yeah. create an hourglass but if you want to create balance and if you want to achieve certain aesthetics then these are the things that will help but okay body is important for going out for the clothes that you want because if you have got wonderful hips like still aspire to have and you're trying to fit into some straight leg jeans they're not <laughs> curvaceous people and no. so you hurt your self-esteem by trying to shove them up knowing that they probably weren't made for you anyway yeah so it's more so understanding why they have made these clothes, why there's no elastane in the straight, the straight leg jeans. <laughs> Thank and God for elastane. <laughs> <laughs> you need the stretch, right? <laughs> so it's, it's more so to help that these are the types of clothes that are made for this body type. Yeah. So if you want to lean towards that way, you'd have the highest success rate of them fitting you well. Mm-hmm. And it's the well-fitting clothes that make you look great. And make you feel great. Which in turn makes you look great because you almost have, you carry yourself in a different way when you feel like you look good, don't you? A hundred percent. You stand a little bit taller, Mm -hmm. your back's a bit straighter, your shoulders aren't so... (laughs) (laughs) Definitely. Confidence isn't something that, you know, should be mistaken for, oh, it costs a thousand euro or pounds. I'm going to look great in it. (laughs) Never the case. Well-fitting clothes can make you look like a million bucks. Yeah. Yeah, so the amount of times I've been to a charity shop and I've found like maybe a, I don't know if I'm allowed to say it, but the famous brand with an R and an L, um, with the horse, tally ho. Um, <laughs> I found like a coat or something. It's like, oh my God, it's one of those. I need to buy it. But then I'll buy it. Yes, it's cheap. Yes, that's brilliant. But it just looks crap on me. So it's like, why did I bother? I think you get drawn in by wanting to have those labels when, like you say, if you're if you're more thoughtful when it comes to things like that and really shop for your shop for your shape. Oh, tagline. <laughs> <laughs> then it makes you feel better, doesn't it? 100 percent And I'm glad you said that because 
I rely on certain brands because in general they cater to my shape. Yeah. My shape has changed after the baby. So <laughs> I'm not shopping there so much anymore. But definitely I was kind of staying within my like cubby of areas where I knew I would not be so disappointed. Yeah. But it's hard and oh well for some women, not all, but having to now find, okay, where where do I go now? My my yeah. clothes are different. These things no longer look the same. Mm-hmm. Should I just, you know, accept it and mm-hmm. <laughs> look a little bit terrible for a little bit of time? So I always say utilize your village, utilize yeah. your friends, your family, online, anyone who you trust, ask them, hey, where did you shop after having your baby? Or yeah. into an online search mm-hmm. <laughs> after a baby. Like I used to. Oh. My sister, she just used to Google things. Like, yeah. I need a pair of tan boots. She put it into Google. It's like, this isn't how people shop. But <laughs> how I shop. <laughs> she was ahead of her time. Uh, you can really just let all of this technology work for you, but also utilize your friends and family. Even my sisters, if there was anything left, <laughs> they've given a lot of their uh, maternity clothes away, unfortunately. Uh, <laughs> it's a little bit older, but like, hey. I'm having a kid. Got anything left with a stretchy waistband? (laughs) I'm sure I still actually wear stretchy waistbands most of the time. Literally do. And they are so comfortable Mm -hmm. that I I feel no shame. Yeah, exactly. I mean, who cares? Like you say, if you feel comfortable and good, then you will look good at the same time. Definitely. As long as they're fit for purpose. Mm -hmm. I bumped my friend yesterday. She was like, do you like my new shoes? I was like, yeah, they're great. And I looked at them, I was like, they're kids, aren't they? <laughs> she's, <laughs> she's a grown adult. <laughs> oh. <laughs> but they fit. And I was like, well, power to you. They make yes. shoes that fit you. You don't have to feel shame walking into a kid's section. The size mm-hmm. is size. It doesn't mean if you are not a child up to this age, you may mm-hmm. not be here. So, but then there's still part of us. If she's not had kids, there's still part of us going, oh cow (laughs) fitting into kids clothes (laughs) those were the days (laughs) would be nice but um, yeah like it's just the marketing that brands give us is there to help i call it Mm -hmm. a guidance but they should not be a rule of thumb i'm i almost i've basically stolen my husband's tie this is my favorite tie of his so i wear it loving that i love it as a gift from his it's her so <laughs> I just feel a bit luxurious when I wear it. <laughs> yes. No charity shop for you. <laughs> but it's true though, like, okay, I can't shop at a men's store because it says poor bomb. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think so. So within reason, as long as it's fit for purpose. Yeah. I, the marketing is there as a guidance and really just wear what makes you feel good. Yeah, definitely. So we we touched upon Jennifer um earlier on before we started the recording um with with you um becoming a mum and things have changed for you so am I right in thinking that maybe on the horizon might be um something else surprising after look at the labels yes <laughs> right. halfway through that sentence I was like oh geez <laughs> should I have said anything. <laughs> Could you sense the fear in my voice? (laughs) Oh, God, give me a signal or a sign. (laughs) 
Yeah, because um, I was actually thinking about it anyway whilst I was, I took the year out to look after the kids. So mm -hmm. it's a lot of thinking time during those early naps when he's mm -hmm. along. <laughs> and it was just, you know, you speak to your mid midwife, you speak to your friends, you speak to anyone who's had any experience of having a child. Yeah. And the same thing kept coming up. Try not to get new, new, new clothes. The more worn and, you know, weathered, so to speak, yeah. are just better because they're softer on the baby's skin. They would have washed out any chemicals that may have been a residue from when they were okay. tree. And just simply, they if they've lasted that long, they're definitely going to work, you know. <laughs> they're going to get obliterated and crash test dummied, aren't they? Let's be honest. <laughs> they have been tried and tested. And so, you know, looking into, okay, if I don't get organic cotton, what other, you know, what's the likelihood that there will be pesticides or toxins in the regular cotton that okay. they use clothes in? What about the mix of polyester? Can I even recycle these? Would I want to give these to anyone? Like, there's just so many things, and I'm an analyst by nature, so I'm just mm -hmm. cracking up these questions to one day, as I said, put into a model or an app. And just be like, tell me the answer, Jeffrey. Ah, <laughs> oh, congratulations. It's definitely food for thought. And with having a child, there's so many expenses alone having the child. Yeah. It would be great not to then rack up a clothing bill to add to that, whereas there are these other routes. And it wouldn't just be the, these are the fabrics that are best for your sensitive skin on your child, but mm -hmm. also not everybody has a village. So yeah. I had my little baby here in Germany and my whole family was in the UK. So it was easy to be like, hey, sis, I've run out of bodies. <laughs> Go into yeah. the <laughs> you know, get in the car and run them over to me. So finding my village was difficult. And they have, you know, family centers here and a lot of different areas where you can actually physically go somewhere and be like, hey, I'm having a hard day or Aww. get advice on how to, you know, best care for your child or what to yeah. put on their skin or what does that look like on your skin? Mm -hmm. just, just having a rapport with, you know, parents. I would say parents and not just mothers because yeah. it's definitely a mixed group. So, yeah, it's definitely a lot of food for thought to, to get people away from thinking, oh, I need to buy the whole of something or us. <laughs> 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 you know, all of these things straight off the rack. And just find the other ways because as we said there's still charity stores as well there mm -hmm. are charities and organizations that are there to help parents yeah um, definitely and especially i think now now that you've had a child as well you can you can probably see you know when people buy you all of these brand new little cute baby clothes and it's like they don't ever wear them <laughs> just kept just kept me the long bodysuits for them and I'll just keep washing them and washing them it's such a waste isn't it it can be it's really disheartening but as I said like there's a lot of opportunities here to um just give boxes of clothes and I, I've done that yeah. with my own clothes I've worked in fashion retail for literally it's coming up to 20 years now wow. I have clothes everywhere like I have clothes in my mum's cellar still at home uh, I have clothes in our storage area here I'm still trying to find oh will I wear that probably not I give it to my nieces or nephews you know okay I, 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 I still swap clothes with my friends mm -hmm. here so again I'm not a size 8 10 anymore so something <laughs> to do. 
say a permanent, <laughs> permanent sayonara. <laughs> yeah. But I'm still cleansing, and that's just years of some unhealthy shopping habits that I've mm-hmm. had. I, I think it's about it, it's about a, a new chapter when when different things happen in your life that are major life events like having a child and moving to a different country it's it's kind of almost about letting go of the old you and then kind of embracing the new you um and and a lot to do with that is clothes as well isn't it yeah massively so you know um I've always said like how you present yourself to the world is how you kind of want to be treated and well let's just say the older I got, the longer my <laughs> my skirts became. <laughs> so yeah, there's, you know, there's an evolution you can call it of yourself during these life events. Mm-hmm. Also, you say you can't change a person, but people do evolve, and so it was a case where I just wasn't into you know short skirts anymore or deep V necklines. Yeah, this spaghetti straps during the day <laughs> <laughs> and those zigzag choker things what we used to have my... zigzag partings <laughs> zigzag partings. <laughs> oh gosh elastic bands in my hair yeah, yeah. The... <laughs> those little twisty gems that we used to get as well <laughs> yes I, I would love to see a picture of you <laughs> 20 years ago now. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah all of these things you do have to evolve and so your wardrobe choices can evolve with them. Mm-hmm. You do see some people who are kind of just like stuck in an era or yeah. in a time and they can't really get themselves out of it. So I do hope like just by reading my book, they can just say, okay, maybe this doesn't fit me quite as well as it used to. Or maybe yeah. I haven't looked at the, clo- the other half of my wardrobe. Like even if you took the clothes that don't fit or you just don't like anymore, there's always the option to sell it. So yeah. you- sites where you can sell it you've got you know good old ebay you have to mention ebay because they've been around for donkeys mm-hmm. but other ones that are just more localized to clothing and fashion and lifestyle yeah. so you can sell them get yourself i'm not even gonna call it pocket money because the amount of stuff that i sold to make room for the baby like uh-huh. like, <laughs> yeah but i used it on the child and then i had all this wardrobe space for him as well yeah but yeah, you can sell clothes on get some of that money and then reinvest it in yourself Yes, it's almost like an emotional cleanse, isn't it? Because I think a lot of the time clothes hold on to so much, even even if it's, oh, I wish that I could get into that or one day I'm going to get back into that or I really like that, but it just doesn't suit my shape right now. We we kind of, we have all these emotions attached to clothes, don't we? That it's hard to kind of let go of. Definitely. Like, you know, it's like jewellery or you have emotions and memories, like almost like, into the item, the item mm-hmm. so yeah it can be therapeutic to just you know let go and move on but there's also you know my husband teases me a lot I have some memory boxes and okay. so there are some things bulky things that do make their way into a memory <laughs> box if I just can't you know part with it yeah so not to say that I give you this advice and then you start <laughs> you know trolling me five years down the line saying, <laughs> But really, just seeing what you actually do not need and what isn't, you know, allowing you to move forward in life. And And what's not serving you, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Like, I I love Marie Kondo because she was really like, 
hold it close. If it doesn't bring you joy, let it go. And I, I, it's very simple, but my friends came over to my apartment and we just did that whole Marie Kondo thing. Mm-hmm. Went through everything. A lot of things gave me joy. <laughs> keep pile, keep pile. But it was a nice habit. And now I have mm-hmm. done it with this annually just to make sure that what yeah. I have is right. And if I do get anything new, it's usually to either fill holes that I think I need or yeah. to replace something which is really no longer fit for purpose. Okay. Do you know when you said that you had your friends over to your apartment, it sounds like so much fun. How old are we getting where that kind of thing just sounds amazing? <laughs> I have to I have to say I remember it fondly because mm-hmm. if you saw the state of my wardrobe before <laughs> she had come, it was like it was it was pretty shocking, but I had allowed it to kind of get out of control. But it was it was nice because I know what I like and I know what mm-hmm. I want, but also during that time, she was like, oh, this is gorgeous. And I was like, oh, if I just like it. So if you really love it, you Hold should... Hold it close. <laughs> Get that joy and it's yours. <laughs> but it, it was great. And I did... I was happy things going to a happy home. Yeah. The thought of them eventually ending in a landfill or the bin somewhere or in a developing country, which is really my... the worst case scenario for me. Yeah. Definitely. Oh, Jennifer, I could talk to you all day, honestly. So what's what's coming next for you? You've you've touched upon um obviously you want to do another book. Um, what else can we expect to see? Well, if you follow me on my Instagram, so Jennifer underscore Valdedorf, um, you will just see a lot more hints and tips. Mm-hmm. So I really am using the look of the labels um as a brand in itself, and I do actually okay. want to start doing some events. So there's a lot amazing. Of- I'm there. <laughs> <laughs> Yay! So there are a lot of clothes swapping events and just ways that you can educate people a little bit more about, as I said, greenwashing in general. The labels side, yeah. you know, really understanding the investment. So if something's dry clean only, you're not just paying the price tag, but you're also paying X amount of years yeah. on top. And so just having these little tidbits, maybe some sort of event with some styling advice as well. Just mm-hmm. have people really feel empowered when they get dressed in the morning. So that wow. will workshopping, um, and as well as that, yeah, I'm thinking about the follow up to look at the labels of the book. Mm-hmm. Exciting, yeah. So I will pop the links into your website and to your socials um, in the description underneath the podcast. Um, but yeah, I would like to say thank you so much for joining me. It's been an absolute joy. Um, and hopefully I will see you back in the UK soon. Yes, I think I will be there next month. I'm there almost every two months. So okay. definitely I'll make a, <laughs> I'll follow. <laughs> yes, definitely. Let's go for a coffee and we can swap some clothes. Oh, now we're talking. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for coming on, Jennifer. It's been an absolute pleasure. See you later. Bye. Bye.